It is Sunday nights, and this is the Getting Off Topic Podcast. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> At the Springfield Speedway. Be there. One night only. One night only. <laughs> Come on, Byron. Truckosaurus. <laughs> Yo, I know Truckosaurus. Okay. Uh, how is everybody doing? How is everybody? How is your week? How, what's going on? What's new? What's, what are you doing with your life? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> are you uh, married yet? You know, started a new job this week. That was good. I haven't worked in like a year, so <laughs> felt good to be a participating member of society again. So you got the job? Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, I'm bartending at Schilling Cider House in Portland, Oregon, which is uh, Schilling Cider Company's uh, flagship cider location or um. That's retail. It's not the retro gaming place that you uh, applied for. No, right? I didn't get the, the job there, unfortunately. But um, well, you're fired. Get off the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like uh, I, I would rather be a um, uh, a patron of that place, anyways, long term. So better, uh, uh, yeah, a place of joy rather than a job. Oh. Makes sense. Um, we were talking before you got here. Um, Meg blazed through God of War three remastered. Uh, oh wow! In like one week. week. <laughs> yeah, and is now on to um, Okami. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. We'll Okami, see how far I get. Cause... The original or the HD version? HD, uh, HD on okay. PS4. That's a that's the best way to play it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sold on it just yet because I feel like it's just rehash of like a Legend of Zelda story. Yeah, I mean that's that that wasn't really a mistake that they were going for that. So yeah. okay. like ancient ancient uh, evil that's reawakened, and so you have to spring back into action and yeah. defeat it for the hundredth time. I, I I originally played it on Wii with the motion controls. Um, yeah. That was an interesting version because of I'm, all the like drawing and stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't know how I like the gameplay with the drawing stuff. So. I may give it a shot, but I'm kind of like meh about it so far. But I only played it for like an hour, so <laughs> I would say definitely um, uh, it's it's something that g- grows on you definitely over time. So I, I'd give it a couple more hours before you decide to yeah, abandon it. Yeah, sure. Hmm. Cool. Todd, what about you? What you playing? Same shit as always. Uh... Playing uh, Dota 2 like usual. Playing some uh, Warhammer. Uh, Total War Warhammer 2 is the main game I'm playing right now. Um, I've also been playing a little bit of Loop Hero, which is really fun. A little, yeah, a little indie, like uh, 8-bit type game. It's an RPG where you, uh, <clears throat> you're trying to rebuild. The, the world has been destroyed by this uh, by this necromancer being and your your memories have all like gone away and you have to like slowly remember the world and rebuild it so also and like legend of zelda kind of <laughs> yeah Breath of the but Wild. It's the, you start in this like blank void like you're literally <laughs> in a blank void and you just continuously go around in a circle fighting monsters and uh yeah cool um i saw well speaking of indies uh I, when i loaded up the laptop today the epic game store fired off a notification for the free games that they're pumping out 
I didn't even know that they they rotate their own free game giveaways too. They pretty much do a new free game twice a month, yeah. regularly. Usually, like they're always doing that. So if you come back every two weeks, there's usually a new game. Yeah. So there was one I ended up clicking on and grabbing it. Um, oh, and I deleted the email confirmation. I forget what it was, but I forget the name of it. But it was some little indie title. Oh, the first tree. And it's uh, it looked cool. Kind of reminded me of um, what was it? Zelda? No, <laughs> um, kind of like what was it? Flower on the PS3 or PS4? Um, it looked like yeah. it looked very minimalist graphics, but it's <clears throat> like open fields, and you're like a little forest, uh, like a fox, and you're like searching for your family, and just kind of running as a little exploration title. But it looked like oh wow, this looks like a very like peaceful game to play that... like you watch it <laughs> it's more like a it. yeah it's a very journey sounding game if you... journey that was journey. the one yeah journey that was the one i was thinking about yeah so this the studio that did journey also did flower and right. uh flow back in the day that's gotcha. um, um i also really liked a game similar as abzu abzu it's, uh, abzu it, it's effectively journey but underwater <laughs> <laughs> very everything simple. is very very wild, but this journey yeah. but this like well because like journey one's is a very specific type of game it's very yeah. unique in its yeah. its genre There's no dialogue it's very music based um there's <laughs> little to no concrete gameplay <laughs> um <laughs> uh but actually i i, I like those experiences uh journey is a I, it, it there's a reason it's a classic and it's um you know i've, I've played it through so many times because it's, it's good it's funny um, i've I'm... uh oh go ahead no go ahead uh i i think I'm, I'm actually craving that sort of experience right now because i found myself not really diving into doom as quickly as i thought i would and part of that's just i'm working all the fucking time and then at night we end up watching shows instead of playing games but um like it was fun for a little bit and I'll, I'll finish it. But I think just right now I'm like, like I, Meg finally finished like for now playing Stardew Valley. Like she did everything she really needed to. And so she moved on guard Lord and stuff. But I found myself this morning craving the music like that <laughs> lo-fi, especially the winter music that just sticks in my head. And I'm like, this is like, I just need that in the background in my brain to like have a peaceful morning. And I'm like, oh man, I kind of miss her playing that all day. <laughs> so funny. something something chill, like one of these little minimalist exploration games sounds like what I need right now. Um, I, so I'm playing a few things. I've been, I, they're the games that I always play, like um, Planet Side 2 and Destiny 2. Uh, those games I play pretty, pretty much weekly at, for a couple hours a week you, between four to eight hours a week um, i didn't picture you as a planet side gamer oh i love planet side 2 i i played planet side 1 back in the day yeah, i played me planet too. side 2 on pc yeah, launch right. and then i played planet side 2 on ps4 launch and then i came back to planet side 2 on pc um yeah i just i i like how you can sort of get lost in it and uh, I'm a multi-role type of guy, so I just pretty much try to do what needs to be done at the moment rather than just sticking with one class. Um, and I, I like the um, consistency of like the perpetuation of the fight where 
in most shooters, most multiplayer shooters, you just play the same maps over and over and over again. And they're, you're always going down the same hallways and you're always getting the same kills in the same way. And it just becomes so stale. <clears throat> With Planet Side 2, even if you're approaching maps, if, even if you're playing the same territories, territories over and over again, you're always coming at them a different way because the flow of the battle always takes on a different structure. So it's something that I've been playing for years and they've added more continents over time. And um, in the last year, they have been incredible about adding new content. Effectively, I was uh, during COVID, they said, we have more players now than we'd had at launch. I believe it. So the game pretty much came back from almost near, like the devs were talking about how the game could possibly come to a permanent end in 2019. And then COVID hit and they're like, we have an, we've have enough revenue from COVID to possibly renew the game completely and even possibly do a sequel. So that's cool. Yeah, uh, but I'm also playing. I bought our Resident. I bought I bought our remake remake Resident Evil remake uh, for Switch because it they did a Capcom puts the res the classic Resident Evil uh, Switch ports on sale pretty much monthly at this point. But it's also um, Resident Evil's 20th anniversary this All month. Right. Speaking so, of Resident Evil, you got your trailer for Resident Evil 4 VR. Yeah, that was cool, too. Um, I saw that. It was funny. The day after I, I bought it, I saw the, the the trailer for Resident Evil 4 VR, and I was like, oh, rad. And I have a Quest 2, so it's, um, I'll be, be able to pick it up. Though the community seems... Uh, so I don't know if you guys know this, but um, the Quest 2 launched almost, almost less than a year after the original Quest launched. And for cheaper and twice as powerful. So there were a lot of people in the quest community that were pretty bummed about that. Um, I already had a quest and I had stimmy cash. So it was just like, I don't care. I'm going to get it anyways, <laughs> because mind you, and also because of the, my side business, uh, we need as many headsets as we can. So mm -hmm. having another VR headset is not a downside in my, in my mind. Um, it's but a lot of people who buy a shiny new toy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a lot of people who drop 400, 400 or 400 bucks. Yeah. 400 bucks on the original quest. All of a sudden there's a better one that, that comes out a year later mm -hmm. and that already is now starting to, um, so Resident Evil 4 VR is the first confirmed title that will not run on previous hardware. So uh yeah there are a lot of original quest owners that are pretty fucking pissed about that and i this is, can understand this is why i'm holding out for that nintendo switch pro <laughs> not dropping that money yeah away. honestly um because it's almost a guarantee given given nintendo's history like the 3ds had 3ds um excel specific or uh, new yep. nintendo 3ds um like only titles or titles that ran so poorly on the original 3DS that you may as well not even purchase it. Yeah. Like I remember um, Xenoblade Chronicles was ported to 3DS, new Nintendo 3DS and 3DS, and the original 3DS version effectively, the reviews were like, don't buy this version. Don't, <laughs> don't do play it. this on the original 3DS because it's you're going to pull your fucking hair out. 
You're going to have a bad time. So Nintendo has already done it. So you, you are right to not do that. Um, yeah. I think, I think Sony and Microsoft have been a lot better about keeping um, the playable version, My, Microsoft less so, <laughs> um, about keeping playable versions uh, with the pro versions. Cause like mo- almost all PS4 games, if there's a pro version, the, the base PS4 one runs pretty well too, with yeah. some exceptions. Like Control didn't really run great on base PS4s. Yeah. Uh, speaking of anniversaries in gaming, I just randomly saw a tweet earlier. It is the 10 year anniversary of Portal 2. <gasps> what? Yeah, that's crazy. I Makes remember. Me Go back and revisit. <laughs> I remember um, I brought my laptop over to Dane's apartment and uh, we played through the campaign mode mm-hmm. and then we played the co-op mode. I like because I like bought another Xbox 360 controller and I didn't realize that the co-op mode. Uh, it had to be enabled through like. At first, when the first game, when the game first launched, it had to be enabled through like dev commands. They later patched that so it would work natively, but <laughs> it was interesting. Yeah. And uh, speaking of VR, this probably is blasphemy to you, Byron, but I did see an article that was talking about uh, modders who are trying to convert Half Life Alex to be. Oh, I saw this. VR. Yeah, I, I saw that. I mean, I get why people are doing it because VR headsets are expensive, expensive. but they're not that expensive. Yeah. Um, well, there's a, yeah, there's some guy who's a modder from Argentina, and he said, like, down there, it's like they're impossible to get. Like, they're insane economically. I get that. Likewise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm also someone who, like, I love mods. So anytime somebody does this, stuff like this, it definitely is not blasphemy as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's rad. I, I think it's cool. Like um, Half-Life. So, I mean, there are a lot of things about Half-Life Alex that are amazing. Um, I, I think people who are playing it not in VR are sort of missing the whole point, though, is that um, this is going to be a rather bland experience if it's not played in VR, because the way the interact, the way that the physical interactions amplify the gameplay cannot be it can't be converted into gameplay on a flat screen so i think they're sort of doing themselves a disservice by doing by doing it but if you literally have no option and you just want to experience the story of half-life because it has been you know a really long time since we got half-life story yes um, Yeah, exactly. It's been almost since that song came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm i still just a cheap ass that I, I can't justify that. If I had like a, a slew, like a long list of VR games that I was dying to play, then I would go ahead and invest in a headset. But thus far, like this is the only one that I'm like, fuck, I would really love to play that. So I can't justify it for one game. I'm probably, probably just going to end up YouTubing the story. <laughs> just because I need to, you know, I need more Half-Life content. Yeah, I mean, hey, there's a big Oculus Gaming showcase coming on April 21st, so I'd watch that space and then see see how you feel after that. Yeah. And on that same token, I've kind of been holding out on a Switch. Um, 
one for the pro, but also because nothing really has like made me say I need to play this yet. Uh, except what we were talking about last week, Metroid Prime Four, which is eventually going to happen. There's no like <laughs> major news on that, except that it still exists because uh, I am not convinced that Metroid Four. Metroid Prime 4 will be le- released for the Switch. Uh, uh, but the news came out this week that they're uh, hiring talent right now. Apparently, um, some former DreamWorks artists, actually. Uh, so specifically, yeah, for- that's what I mean. <laughs> Is it if they're hiring, if they're hiring artists now, it's going to be a while. <laughs> I would say the game is at least three, at least three years out. So if it if it comes out on the Switch, it will be one of the last games available for the Switch. And the life cycle. Yeah, maybe. And that's oh, they... another reason why we've held off on the Switch at this point is because it has been out for so long that the day that we bite the bullet or pull the trigger and mm. get the Switch, like a month later, they'll announce a new console. Hmm. It's kind of what happened to us. We didn't get the Wii or you. the Wii U until like the end of its life cycle. And then we just got <laughs> grabbed a bunch of games for cheap. We're like, cool, Donkey Kong Country, yeah. let's go. <laughs> Unfortunately, grabbing games for cheap isn't a thing with Nintendo, really. Pretty rare, um, yeah. Especially, specifically Nintendo published titles. That it's pretty much, it just never happens. Yeah. Other, other like publishers, it's, you know, easier but and that was my biggest frustration with resident evil and why i i waited so long to pick it up on switch is because i was i was waiting for the resident evil collection origins collection to drop in price and it just wasn't for a long time mm-hmm. and um it's been on sale in the in the eShop for a while but i wanted a physical version and then i learned that the physical version only has resident evil zero on it and so even if you get the Resident Evil Origins collection, you're only getting one game on the gar- on the cartridge and the other one comes with a download code. So <laughs> if I wanted the R- Resident Evil remake uh, on Switch, I had to download it anyways. So mm-hmm. and that's very frustrating because especially with how Nintendo has abandoned the the eShop, I it's it's making me much more uncomfortable to buy digital games at this point um i think that if nintendo has any desire to not piss off fans in the future they're going to have to keep their keep switch titles playable on their next device or they're going to have a very 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 pissed off user base yeah at the same time they it's fucking Nintendo. They're, they can do whatever the fuck they want. And people will still buy their shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think I think the Nintendo has done a lot of really shady things in the last year and a half, and it's it they they're still printing money, but it does affect their image in a way that hurts the brand. So, I mean, just like I mean, look at PlayStation Four. I mean, they you know did not they didn't have backwards compatibility with PS3 and we're just at the mercy of their remasters of, you know, some of the eventual classics. Yeah. But Microsoft is using that to, to their advantage. And from what I've heard, uh, Microsoft has effectively closed the gap on PlayStation for the, 
the failures of the last generation that the yeah, Xbox the series Xbox is a hardware superior device, and they also have like a much a much more mature software and um, platforming element of like Xbox Game Pass. If you have an Xbox Series X, it's it's like a no brainer. Just get it, <laughs> you know. So. I mean, I, even I, just as a PC player, like the the Games Pass is worth it for ten bucks a month. Oh no, I absolutely agree. Yeah. So then these companies rely on their exclusive content. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not going to be playing my precious Uncharted franchise on an Xbox, nor am I going to be playing any Zelda games on a PS4 or anything. So. Well, the, the 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 discussion that I've actually been having recently is, um, do I play games on game pass or do i buy the switch version of indie games or do i play them on my phone with a controller uh attachment through xbox game pass Mm -hmm. um streaming effectively and at this point the that that inclusion in my subscription makes it that that question very easy Cool. All right. Well, anything else in the world of gaming, or shall we uh, move on? Uh, it's been a quiet week. Uh, let me just quickly look through. Oh, there was one actually I saw earlier. I was telling Meg about because um, she was talking about how uh, Okami is kind of feeling like a, a, you know, extended like another Breath of the Wild or something. I randomly saw a little uh, indie title that's in development right now. I know it's coming for the Switch, and I did see a Steam page for it, too. I don't know about the other platforms, but I thought it was cool because it looked unique. It's, uh, it's called Aztec Forgotten Gods, and this it's this little like indie action-adventure kind of... The action looks very anime-styled. I don't know. Maybe it's going to end up being like a sort of rip-off of um, Horizon, <laughs> Horizon, Zero. Horizon Zero Dawn. Thank you. Um, because you're, you're fighting against these like giant mechanoid creatures or something. But the what looks cool about it for me personally is it's all centered around this Latin American storyline. It's like this sort of like sci-fi fantasy futuristic world where like pretend that the Europeans never came over and conquered. So like this Aztec society is thriving and now they're like this cyberpunk futuristic society, but still has that like classic art style and everything like the old. Um, and she's got a gigantic powered fist. Yeah. She's got a, a power glove basically. That she is, <laughs> it's and so she's bad. Jumping around, beating the shit out of these uh, giant, like, um, I'm assuming it's sort of like Breath of the Wild style or, or Horizon Zero Dawn, where it's like these, you know, maybe at one point they were guardians, but now they're just going around wrecking up the place and you have to stop them. So, but uh, it looked like a fun indie title. And again, for the uh, uniqueness of it, I appreciate it. Because so many times I hear like fantasy game and it's the stereotypical or it's the, we always get a million different iterations of like the Europe- European medieval fantasy or swords and sandals or swords and armor or whatever but like it's yeah the uh it's roman yeah yeah but, swords um, and sandals that's like a that's a, a name for a certain type of genre yeah gotcha. oh i didn't know yeah anything like, like anything yeah. in the roman era and like before the 
like dark ages medieval yeah yeah anything doing with like like the odyssey type stuff like greek or roman mythology and then you know harry harryhausen the, movies yeah there you go harry <laughs> yeah uh stop motion skeletons and then like uh high fantasy like you know you've got a million different like skyrims or like the western european you know just like swords and armor and dragons and shit but this this looks like something cool i can't remember the last time i knew of a game that's like just like based in like latin american lore so i, I thought it was cool anyway but it looks interesting cool. I'm yeah not really my type of game but definitely looks interesting that's gonna be um, out in the fall um one bit of news that I did see this week, uh, sadly, Amazon uh, Studios is canceling its Lord of the Rings MMO that it has in development. Um, so that, that was supposed that was supposed to be like a, a cross media thing with their t- with their the TV show, yeah. right? That's correct. Um, unfortunately, the studio that uh, was working on it for them was recently bought by the Chinese uh, CCP's media empire arm. Uh, Tencent and uh, Tencent couldn't come to an uh, uh, agreement with Amazon. So really, yeah, they hmm. had to cancel it. That's wow. interesting. Hmm. Huh. All so right. that's DOA. Um, that's about it for gaming this week. Other than the portal anniversary hmm. games aren't supposed to be about politics. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, it was politics it was, out of my games. It was less politics and more money, I think, because it's not like they it's not like there were any rules that they couldn't do it, but it was more the the fact that they couldn't come up with a, a dollar amount. Hmm. Hmm. Right. Well, you know what's not going to stop the fucking train of Star Trek that we're getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Byron, <laughs> I, I believe you have a slew of updates from the world of Trek. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh... First contact day was a couple of weeks ago and dirt or it was like last week. And during it, there were a bunch of panels. And so um, uh, CBS has been on the attack for releasing updates on the various franchises um, because there's currently five different shows in development um, or at least are in production in, in some production. way. Yeah. Um, and the only one we're getting this year is Lower Decks, uh, which they showed a, a trailer for. But um, oh, really, no Discovery for? Uh, not this year. Mm. Uh, it it's probably going to be January. Mm. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure they said the only one that we were getting this year was uh, Lower Decks. Um, there was a there was a teaser. Um, for discovery, just uh, a generic teaser. Nothing special yeah. about it. Yeah, it, it, it was it was fine. You, there wasn't really any hint about what the larger storyline is going to be or anything. But a lot of the um, the link that I sent you guys the other day was about um, interviews with people at Secret Hideout, which is Alex Kurtzman's production company, talking about what the franchise is going to look like over the next couple of years. Um, they're, I think they're, so they're taking an interesting, so strange new worlds is the next big show that they're really banking on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, the prequel starring the cast of the 
USS Enterprise, <laughs> um, but not that cast of the USS Enterprise. So it's got Captain Christopher Pike, number one, and Spock as the main characters. Um, and a part of that interview said that he was they're working on um, making this building the full set and making it a more clear uh, link to the 1960s version of the show. And this is exact. This is what I always thought that they were going to do because people are howling during discovery about how modern it looked. But I always re I always knew that if they were ever going to do a, a show set in that period of time that was emulating the style or at least emulating uh, that was like set on the enterprise. There's no way that they weren't going to lean hard into that retro aesthetic. Like, yeah. because it, it, it's, it's exactly what fans have been sort of clamoring, clamoring for. And it allows them to go back to basics and link it to the original Star Trek. Um, and I, I think what they're really expecting is that I would expect Star Trek Strange New Worlds to become the flagship show of the entire franchise for the, for the next few years because they're they're going hard into he said that they're doing episodic storytelling um they With overarching character stories rather than yeah the same way that pretty much TOS and Next Gen did yeah um and largely you know Voyager too um and I think that's a good idea I think the the fans have been sort of clamoring for it. It's why the Orville did so well is because that's a specific type of storytelling. And there's a, there's a comfort in classic Trek that um, a, a lot of fans won't admit it, but it's why they, they go after it. it. The sort of like, I don't have to be paying attention. I could put it on in the background type of story, you know? Um, I think that's why we've been so, uh, so much enjoying 15 fucking seasons of supernatural <laughs> why we've hung in there because like we i mean me and meg like we enjoy the main characters enough to follow them on i mean same thing with like why in fucking high school i would pop on like a random x-files dvd because like those adventure of the adventure of the week stories those are just the best comfort food you know yeah it's the same reason uh yeah. I I've been watching another Kurtzman show actually, uh, Hawaii Five O. It's the same reason I love that, is because you don't have to catch every episode. You can always just pick up whatever random episode is on TV, and you you know everything that's going on because it's simple. There's a there's a case at the beginning of the episode. There's an A plot. There's a B plot. That that's all. That's all it is. And so I, I think there's a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in that in that style of storytelling. Um, and I think discovery, uh, a lot of people hate <laughs> discovery. I said those people are dumb, but whatever. Yeah, sure. no, I, I, <laughs> I'm not one of those people. Um, and I know that you aren't either. And, uh, and Todd isn't, um, but I definitely see the, the appeal of just that comfort viewing. Just give me, give me something, give me low stakes that get resolved in an yeah. hour. It's their know? antidote to the overall problem. Like, it is their answer because the Orville has siphoned off a significant um, market share of viewers of Star Trek. And um, I don't really understand why, because I don't think the show is very good, but um, I guess I, I understand. I understand why people are watching it, but I don't understand why they like it. <laughs> um, uh 
uh, it could be just like the fanboy in me being like, get off my Star Trek lawn. Um, yeah, that's you. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a hundred percent. I think, uh, they, but, I, but I'm excited to, but I'm excited to see, uh, to see what they do with strange new worlds. Um, I sort of have an aesthetic that I think that they're going to hit because even in this article with um, they're they're talking to Kiva Goldsman and he's saying that they're, they're going back more to the sixties version of the sets and the costumes, which I think is a very good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's updates on Picard season two about how they are focusing more on the storytelling and the structure of the storytelling. And I think that is a very, very, very good thing because as we have talked about on this show in the past, I think by far the biggest failing in Picard season two was the structure of their stories, not necessarily the stories that they were telling. Yeah, um, I, I still love the crap out of it because it was, you know, Picard, but it did get very plotty, plotty, uh, money, yeah. money, kind and it of seems uh, like Falcon and Winter Soldier, and it seems like Discovery has the same problems. Um, and there is a new showrunner this year. Uh, <clears throat> they, um, uh, Michael Chabon went off to do a uh, television or a uh, streaming adaptation of his book, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, with his wife. Um, also on Paramount Plus, so he's totally tied up in that. So he's not involved in, in, well, he's involved with some script writing, but he's not the showrunner. They got an actual television showrunner to work on Picard season two, and I think, I think we're going to see a dramatic increase in the quality of at least the plotting of the show, which mm-hmm. I think was ma- its main issue. So, mm-hmm. um, that's good. I'm very, very excited to hear that. Um, and they also talk about Q and how Q in his relationship to, um, the franchise is, you know, at least next gen is really important. Um, and, uh, and then the really, the, the, the stuff that I think is most interesting for the future of the franchise was the stuff about Star Trek prodigy that at the end of the article, do you guys know what Star Trek prodigy is? The animated show with animated Janeway, right? Yeah. And Janeway is actually an emergency training uh, hologram. Oh, okay. So, so this, uh, she's what? not really Janeway. She just looks and sounds and talks like Janeway. Gotcha. Um, so I'm guessing these, and uh, they they revealed that the the cast of the show are actually all aliens. None of none of them are humans. Um, and so they stumble across this like this federation ship and they go on adventures but what they were saying in this article is that um this show is actually a linchpin in their larger uh goals for the franchise in that they really want to focus on um getting fans young so that they can sell them on toys and theme park uh rides <laughs> like a tobacco executive oh, seriously <laughs> and the way the the article sort of um puts it, it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't seem it's very cynical it's it's not a very like oh we want to make this because we want to like no it's like we want their fucking money <laughs> that is very much how it makes it sound and i mean let's let's be honest the television star trek a- is a massive franchise so yeah. And it's yeah. not always been a youth-friendly franchise. It's it's always been a 
parents franchise and if your parents were into it then you might have been into it as a kid but as a kid you're not getting into it unless you have a parent or an older brother or something that's into star trek yeah Yeah, especially since the star wars is they got the clone wars what do we got exactly and um but it does and kurtzman at the end of the article does say um um, and gets into another element which is that uh long term they're now and i think this may have started last year uh they're starting to look long term into bringing the movies and the shows together in a more impactful way and i think what we're going to start to see is more of the mcu set style of storytelling or you know original star trek storytelling um in in the way that the the new movies interact with the existing shows. He even says that they have a, uh, a, a co showrunner meeting now. So all the showrunners get into a room and have a monthly meeting on where their stories are going long term. Mm-hmm. So that means that specifically right there means that to me that they're trying to become more like the MCU. Oh, yeah. And of course, everybody's trying to be more like the MCU. Of course, <laughs> mind you, Star Trek was doing it before anybody else was. So um, they were doing it before it was cool. <laughs> they were, they were, they were doing it in the fucking eighties. Um, uh, all right. Oh yeah, it's we will have no lacking of Trek. Well, let's get to something that uh, doesn't require a thousand different branching franchises. <laughs> um, Gabriel Luna. Well, who's connected to the MCU, who's uh, our awesome Robbie Reyes ghostwriter in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, he is going to be playing uh, Tommy, Joel's younger brother in the Last of Us HBO series. Hmm. Just a little casting. Bit. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I can see him in there. I mean, no matter what, I think that show is going to be. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So that means that they're really they're going into the. uh the Latin origins of this version of the character, yeah. which I'm okay with. I don't mm-hmm. care. That's fine. Um, but there's going to be a lot of pissed off, like stupid gamer pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we don't, we don't speak of them. <laughs> uh, what else in the, uh, let's see in TV land. Speaking of agents of shield, apparently there's rumors going around that Chloe Bennett, uh, who is now on the Powerpuff Girls, apparently, <laughs> uh, is supposedly Lucasfilm's top choice to play Dr. Afra. Oh, character. Yes, that'd that be pretty be cool. Fucking beautiful. All right. I've never I heard am... of this character before. You uh, haven't? Really? No. Please explain. Oh, dude. Okay, so Dr. Afra is a really... Okay, so... So the character was introduced uh, when Marvel relaunched their comics line. Right, basically, that's that's yeah. the origin. And she the was character. a. It, they brought her in as like a female indie type, um, in, in the Darth Vader standalone comic, um, yeah. and she instantly became a fan favorite. Um, I like her. I'm not as fervent in my uh love for the character as some people are, but I, I do appreciate it. But that's that actually really, that's really good casting. Yeah, yeah that, that's like perfect from the, casting. From the image I'm seeing here, Chelly Lona Afra is basically a rogue archaeologist who hunts down Jedi relics. Okay, I'm already fucking sold. Yeah, um, <laughs> she has a pair of murder bots that did just love read the, to murder. the Darth Vader standalone from 2015, and you'll mm-hmm. be sold. 
Yeah, the right. first few issues of it, and then her standalone from the, the same so year. Indiana Jones, but in Star Wars. Yep, in in space. <laughs> nice. All and right. I guess oh, she and, works for the Nazis instead and, of the. Yeah. What? <laughs> well, she works. She works for we Vader. We have to talk about Nazis. God damn it! <laughs> Can we? Hey, she works. She week? works for Vader. Oh, okay, right. Oh, is it another like she was an Imperial and. Then, yeah, and she has these two um, droids that are like the best. Uh, they're they're the best because they're pretty much like murder droids. They're they're HK forty seven in, but they're, they're not in HKs. C, yeah. But they're in like C three and R two form. Okay, blasting away meat bags. Imagine if C three PO was constantly talking about torturing and murdering people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sounds amazing. Rad. Okay, I hope this happens. Um, and speaking of Indiana Jones, uh, last week we talked about Phoebe Waller-Bridge joining uh, Indy 5. Now Mads Mikkelsen, Hannibal Lecter, will be co-starring in Indiana Jones 5. They haven't said, uh, they haven't revealed anything really plot-wise or character-wise. But Wasn't uh, he in, um, so they're, they're just getting Bond characters now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the bad gang Casino Royale. Yeah, bleeding from his eye. That was the first time I ever saw him in anything was in Casino Royale. And he was amazing in that. Yeah, he was fantastic, yeah. The, oh, the first thing I remember him from, though, was Hannibal. Hannibal, yeah. I don't remember Casino Royale at all. That was a good show. It was intense. I We never finished watching it. They did a final, like a third season. It got season. bizarre. In the third season, like the first episode. Wait, which, which like, show? Uh, Hannibal on NBC. Oh, okay. Hannibal, uh, Silence of the Lambs prequel. That's another um, uh, Brian Fuller show. Brian Fuller, yeah. 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 And the only show he's ever, you know, stuck with. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say he's another guy that, that just he cracks me up because he goes from shit like pushing daisies, this technicolor dreamland to fucking Hannibal. And uh, it's like, um, oh, what's American Horror Story, dude? Um, creator of American Horror Story, how he goes between that and fucking Glee to Nip Tuck. To oh yeah, Nip Tuck, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, they they those both of them they have a lot of similarities in the style in the styles of content that they go after. Not necessarily the content, but in the types of stories they choose to tell. Yeah. They're uh, they're very extreme similar. Extreme lightheartedness to extreme gruesomeness i guess yeah yeah brian fuller Um, seems to have like a little bit more of like a like a humanist take on his stories yeah i can see that um oh speaking of movies hollywood was pretty upset to hear that the arc light and pacific theaters are shutting down the cinerama man the cinerama dome that place was impressive Reopen as a spirit Halloween store. <laughs> <laughs> like, Honestly, like somebody else, uh, that's what's going to happen. I mean, they're not going to let the they're No, that's a flag. Some other theater. Somebody. Yeah. Some other studio is going to. I honestly, I'm calling it now. Netflix is going to buy it. Oh, shit. Hell, Tarantino himself might buy it. Yeah, because <laughs> just the 70, just the 70 millimeter projector in the Cinerama Dome alone is like a, a there, there's no way they're going to get rid of it. It's a, it's been there. Yeah, it's the, not going to sit idle for very long. And didn't we? I think we discussed on a previous podcast uh, just recently that uh, old standing law was uh, done away with, where um, yeah, 
uh, basically stopping uh, studios from having exclusive movie houses. They had to, it was yes. like equal opportunity for movies. That was now struck that, no, down in 2019. Yeah. So it very well could become like a Netflix theater or a. Uh, oh, and Netflix has expressed interest in buying the Chinese Grauman Theater. So oh, what's shit. just down the street from the Chinese Grauman Theater? Oh, yeah. The Cinerama Dome. Yeah. And I thought at first when I heard the news, I thought it was just the Cinerama, but it, no, it's the entire arc light. It's the entire. Pacific yep. theaters, they're mm-hmm. all shut down for good. Well, so I they, remember last time I saw so, the theaters, except like maybe 10 years ago in downtown San Diego. I don't know. <laughs> they're not necessarily done for good. What happened is they've returned the keys to most of their locations, if not all of their locations. Um, and they're going through bankruptcy uh, right now. And they're yeah. trying to renegotiate with their uh, landlords. So technically, they could come back to the Arclight and all their other uh properties mm-hmm. but if rising rents are the main issue i doubt that most of the landlords are going to uh actually give them any kind of break right yeah all right we'll, we'll see what happens but uh yeah i guess that's i guess that's officially the first of the extended movie houses that have uh, officially shut the doors well well supposedly the way they're wording it for now is shutting down for good even though there may be hope in the future but yeah they're i wouldn't say they're a major chain but they're also not exactly an indie chain either mm-hmm. yeah they're probably in the fourth or fifth largest theater chain in the country but okay. it's like pretty drastic from like this first second and third and then to them all right yeah. well uh speaking of netflix um I've never watched this personally, but I know it's a, a huge one for the world of anime and Netflix has been making a point of like branching out into a bunch of anime properties or adaptations. Castlevania? Uh, well, Castlevania is coming back for a fourth and final season. Yes. Um, we had the, 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 tra- uh, the, not the trailer, but the, the teaser with the, with the artwork and stuff. Yeah. And then uh, Jordan Vogue Roberts who did Kong Skull Island and is trying, still trying to get that fucking Metal Gear movie off the ground. <laughs> but Netflix has hired him to direct uh, and produce Legendary's uh, live-action Gundam movie. Nice. That, holy crap. That has been in, so they're, they've been trying to make a live-action Hollywood Gundam movie for like 30 fucking years. Yeah. Yeah, my brother was talking about that. Yeah, Legendary teamed up with Sunrise, um, I think at least a few years back, and they've been working on getting it off the ground. And so now I guess it's official. Or I think that's what he's going to be doing next. You know, I I never really paid, but I didn't, I really missed Gundam. I was more of a, uh, like, a Robotech Macross saga type of guy. Is it similar, like, big robots, like big mechs or something? I mean, I don't, I don't even really know what the storyline of Gundam is. Okay. Uh, that's it's, how little I know about it. It's but literally yeah, it's just that it's giant fighting mess. robots that transform into planes. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, cool. One of those. Yeah, I just prefer the Robotech. You know, wasn't there type. some news on that side of the? Field yeah, too? no. So that's actually pretty cool too. Is that um uh so Think about the rights? The whole rights situation to the Macross saga is so bananas ridiculous that it took me about 45 minutes to read through the licensing situation on wikipedia the other day so uh macro saga was like you would do <laughs> yeah no absolutely i did um 
And uh, so Macross Saga was this Japanese anime in the early 80s. And it was one of the first animes to be um, repackaged and sold to the United States. Um, it was called Robotech. Uh, and it, it actually took three different, completely separate, totally unrelated animes. <laughs> and they repackaged it as Robotech in the United States. And then they like messed with the storyline and the, through the dubbing to make it make sense. Oh my god! Um, and uh, it's bananas. You should you should look it up someday because the whole situation is ridiculous. Um, but then when trying to get it to the wet to the west because of that snafu, um, one of the one of the studios thought that they had the rights to distribute it in the United States, Macross, in perpetuity. And the Japanese uh, license holders were like, absolutely not do you have the rights to do that in perpetuity. It was never that. That was never the... And so the two camps fundamentally disagree with the, the situation regarding the case. So Macross has effectively not been allowed to be distributed in the United States forever. Since since Robotech came out, like late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, mind you, you could get like your European, and you could get like fan dubs, and there were some versions that made it through, but the whole series as a whole has never been available to stream in the United States. Macross specifically, not Robotech. This reminds so, me of. Uh, oh, sorry, this go ahead. finally got worked out this week. So I'll finally be able to watch the original non-Robotech, non-bastardized version of the Macross Saga in English legally. Oh my god. This reminds me of a, uh, a very detailed video that Meg watched um, and I watched too, like uh, maybe two months ago or so that was breaking down the entire saga of uh, Sailor Moon and how it was originally aired in pieces and then it was bastardized because of censorship and it was just it was so fucked they even tried doing a live action american version of it which looked horrible oh yeah it's fucking hilarious <laughs> like the hey it's just a matter of time before that happens for real though i know no it did they did like sure, a yeah. whole like pilot episode oh and it just like it crashed and burned before it even got off the ground probably still i know a lot i know a lot of uh <laughs> millennial women who have a have like a legitimate amount of nostalgia for Me. Sailor Moon. Hell, their identity is based off of Sailor Moon. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and I've seen a handful of episodes. I, I definitely not as much. It's always something that I've like sort of expected a partner or something to introduce me to, but like they just have it. So I, I remember a decent portion of it from when I was like five or six years old. I had been if you know. And uh, my, was it at some point, I forget, at some point I was not back in school, but my sister was. And so she forced me to record the tapes <laughs> of the episodes airing in the mornings. And then, so I actually started to get into it a little bit and followed the storyline. Well, that's what I did is I would get up every day at 7 a.m. and start the VCR recording so that I could watch it when I got home from school. Yeah. That's great. Um, My only experience with it was uh, I had to sit through a two and a half hour panel 
with uh, your friend Diana, <laughs> oh. uh, Meg, because her boyfriend, her douchebag boyfriend at the time, didn't want to sit through it. Yeah. So I I went with her and sat through that panel. Uh, and I've never been a Sailor Moon fan at all. Oh, that was so sweet of you. It's always it's always fun to sit through a panel for a fandom that you're not a part of. That was definitely we weird. Times because yeah. there was always a panel we wanted to see, but mm. we would go to the one beforehand so we could get seats. Yeah. To guarantee our seats for the panel we wanted. So we sat Tony and I have sat through several panels that we had Do you remember the first year of Twilight fandom? Yeah, back in like I was at that fucking Comic Con down in San Diego. Oh that my was god, fucking that was gnarly. Awful. Yeah, that was they pretty that much was, they took over the entire convention. I think that was the last Comic Con I actually went to down in San Diego because it was, it was one just, of the last ones I went to. Because that was the year that you suddenly because every year before then you could get tickets up until like mm-hmm. the day of show. Yeah, you could show up year. at the doors and get tickets. Yeah. And then that yeah, year, that. it was sold out like a month in advance. Uh-huh. That was that was the start of that was well, the beginning also, of the end. <laughs> well, also that was the year I found that a lot of, I mean, they were still within the comic genre, but they just branched out a lot of the panels to kind of not so comicy things like. Wasn't the office there at one point? Yeah, it was like random TV shows that random were TV like, shows and random blockbusters. Yeah, like. and the convention also expanded their advertisement for things far beyond just the convention. Like that was the year that they started plastering posters on the sides of the hotels. It, I think that was a Scott Pilgrim year too. And like, fucking everything was just like advertisement for all these movies that were coming out. More so than the typical Comic Con buzz. Yeah, they like, they've been doing they, those type of advertisements since the '90s, though, because I remember. I know, but but they also used to. They also that year is the the year I think they started the um, the side things uh, at the the different venues. Yeah, because they were running quarter. out of places for programming. Yeah, the, that's yeah. What I mean. the studios yeah. couldn't get all of their programming in because there were too many events. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Scott Scott Pilgrim where we really learned that so much marketing did not equate to ticket sales. <laughs> the, thing was, the thing is, is that they're marketing to the wrong people. These are all people that are planning to go see that shit because they're already fans. Yeah. You need to market to people that aren't fans that aren't going to the conventions to see that you, shit. If you look at that cast now and you, you, you see the names that are on that, you wonder how the fuck was this not a gigantic blockbuster? But then back then, none of those names were Because they released it in known. January. Yeah. That's true. That's, That's true. why Captain America but... wasn't Captain America yet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. But so yeah, I think he was cast shortly. He may have been that. cast as Captain America during the release of the film. He was yeah. He yeah. was Flash at that, or um, not Flash. Um, Human Torch. Human Torch at that time. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it was 2010, and... Uh, Captain America came out in 2011. So, and they announced his casting, I think, in 2009. So, I think it people already knew that he was Captain America when the movie came out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, but it's, uh, yeah, but but Scott Pilgrim the World versus Scott Pilgrim versus the World, it's become a cult classic. I mean, sure. there yeah, there are movie course. theaters that do like mid- midnight showings of it every week still, or like once a month still. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not shitting on the movie. I just, no, did you guys no. see that there's exactly. actually on April 29th they're doing uh, a re-release nationwide? 
no, no, Dolby, I in Dolby Atmos. Nice. Yeah. So if you guys got the Vax by then, which I unfortunately uh-huh. will not have my second Vax by then. I think but... Meg will. I will not. I am. Anyway. But just going back a little bit. I get mine I... on Saturday. I Sorry. am the Sailor Moon nerd where I even had binders full of the trading cards. <laughs> even the ones that you had to go onto like the, the army bases to get. Hey, if we're getting Powerpuff Girls, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just a matter of time before you get your live action Sailor Moon Netflix. <laughs> hey, yeah. Well, there's a live action Lupin yeah. show on Netflix right now. What? Yeah. I mean, it's not the original character. Um, it's a version. Well, it's of based the on the French thief character. Yeah, but it's movie. it's still. I mean, I watched the first episode yesterday, and it's actually really good. Hmm. All right, Lupin, that was your jam, Todd. Right? Oh yeah, I uh, love me some Lupin. All right, I stopped to check it out. Um, well, one last thing in the in the movie world, at least that I've got for news, uh, and then we should probably get to talking the Winter Soldier. I have no idea how long this is probably going to be a long podcast, <laughs> but uh, in the MCU. Uh, our old pal Doc Ock um, <laughs> opened his mouth this week. Uh, I, I don't Alfred know if he Molina. Alfred Molina apparently he gives no fucks uh, about the, uh, the. What's the first the movie MCU you remember? Snipers. Huh? What's the first movie you remember Alfred Molina from? Oh, Raiders. Yeah, yeah, Raiders. Yeah. See, I'm different. Maverick. Maverick with Mel Gibson was the first thing uh, that I remember him oh, from. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I I know that it was Alfred Molina now in Raiders. I don't know if I recognize it. It's not like it, you know, when I saw Raiders. He's also in kid, Boogie Nights. Like, oh, that's Alfred Molina. I have no idea what the fuck it was. He was in Boogie Nights? I don't remember. Yeah, he's, he's like the coked up uh, porn producer that comes out of them with the shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that is him. Oh, so Alfred Molina this week... Um, announced an interview or revealed an interview um, apparently quite plainly that he yes he is in spider-man no way home he's uh, reprising his character as doc ock from sam raimi's second spider-man movie which essentially confirms what we've all been assuming this is one giant spider where was where was a uh, benedict cumberbatch and uh paul bettany to keep his mouth shut <laughs> <laughs> snitches end up in ditches yeah <laughs> I love that he just like completely like forgot the actual phrase and just made up his own. Yeah. Oh, geez. But that it's it's just everybody's losing their shit because you know usually you know if you're a Marvel actor, you're you supposed to shit. keep all that shit under wraps. Yeah. So, but no, he talked about it pretty extensively in an interview with uh, Variety, and uh, they were talking about his. They're interviewing from his. Uh, role in a promising young woman well i mean the thing is alfred molina is not a young man no (laughs) you know like no yeah he was already older when he was in the movie 20 years ago yeah yeah so he was talking about that because they they were asking about it and he said that was his his biggest fear like his hesitation of coming back when they asked him and he talked to uh john watts the director and he's like how like how are you gonna number one i died like Doc Ock died yeah, yeah, in Spider-Man yeah, too, yeah. and uh, and uh, John Watts basically said, like in this universe, like no one really dies. <laughs> yeah. And then then he was worried about, well, you know, I can't really, you know, run and jump and punch things or whatever. But then he's like, oh yeah, 
like it's Doc Ock. The tentacles do all the work, you know. I just yeah, exactly. He just sort of hangs there. Yeah, I just kind of make a mean face and say something, and that's all. I, I mean, <laughs> that's I mean, that's literally the plot of the Spider-Man game is that uh, these are devices designed for um, mobility. So yeah. yeah. Oh, and they actually say, he said. Uh, um, so he said, like, first of all, like I'm. 67 actually he is now and he's he's wow he's, yeah he said to, to john I thought Watson, he was like, older than that actually weirdly enough no yeah but yeah. but you know still no spring chicken he's like yeah hey, i got kind of a bad back and like you know look at my face like i've clearly aged here what are we doing is that part of the story and uh john watts the director again he said like did you see what we did with robert downey jr and like <laughs> samuel jackson like come on yeah. like, we, we got this <laughs> so so i guess they'll do the de-aging him. We've been de-aging people since Days of Future Past. Relax. Yeah, yeah that's uh, he pretty much confirmed. It's we're getting our live-action Spider Verse uh, this uh, Christmas, actually. Yeah, December. Well, December seventeenth this year. Provided it doesn't get delayed again. Yeah, like everything getting delayed these days. Yeah. All right, get around to our Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, hefty, hefty episode. Stuff did happen. It kind of well. It was, it was the longest like episode. A, yeah, and it felt like a light episode because this was kind of like it's a filler the, episode. It was the oh wait know, wait one last before. thing before we get into this. I huh. just saw it. The Batman's Jim Gordon is coming to TV with his own HBO Max show. The Batman is in the coming movie. The, with the coming Max. movie with so, uh, with um the Westworld's. Uh, Oh, I know who you're talking about. The main uh, Bernard or whatever. Uh, yeah. Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. So Jeffrey Wright is getting his own HBO Max Batman show as Jim Gordon. As Jim Gordon. So they're already doing the spinoff of, with Jim Gordon before even really the movie. <laughs> they, they, they were already doing this and it was, it was going to be called Gotham PD. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the showrunner. Gotham PD SVU. <laughs> the, the showrunner of Gotham PD left the show. And so they decided to go in a different direction. And this is very clearly the new direction. (laughs) Because before, there was no confirmation that uh, that, um, Jeffrey Wright was going to be in it. Mm -hmm. Now there is a confirmation that he's the main character, effectively. Also, one other DC bit of news that we missed. Lucy Liu joining Shazam sequel as the villain. Oh, that's cool. That's going to be amazing. I'm sold. Nice. Yeah. Put Lucy Liu in anything, I watch it. It was also the, um, Helen Mirren also in in that one as another yeah. villain. Believe show. Yeah, thought we covered that uh, podcast a few ago. I don't know. So about Gotham PD though, uh, it, it seems like they're. Um, I'm guessing that it's going to be a more direct adaptation of Gotham Central than we got with Gotham. Um, Gotham Central is this fantastic uh, series by Ed Brubaker and um, Greg Rucka back in the 2000s, which was like pretty much The Wire, but with supervillains. <laughs> and it was amazing. Hmm. Um, just like what the day, the, the on the ground, like hard boiled cops have to deal with in uh, a world with people like the Joker and Mr. Freeze. Okay. Um, 
And I also heard that they're going to focus a lot on police policing in like the 21st century and the political ramifications of policing, which I'm a little skeptical about personally, Um, being able to do that with any sort of relevancy or without seriously sticking their foot in their mouth. But as we can see from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it can be done. True. Yeah. Um, Segway. Segway. Personally, (laughs) the only thing as far as Jim Gordon I'm excited for is more Chris Maloney, Jim Gordon from Harley fucking Quinn. Because (laughs) goddamn. (laughs) I fucking love Chris Maloney. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anyway, but yes, segue over to Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, it felt, in a way, it felt like an uneventful episode because this is kind of a, a character break before big final battles ensue, I'm assuming. But a good one, because as we've said before, it seems like this show really shines with its character work. Um, although the yeah, this is my second favorite episode to date, so. Yeah, just, uh, just more, more Sam and Bucky, just uh, working on a boat. I, I, I'm give me all that, <laughs> but uh, but it started uh, immediately following. Hey, does that count as the cottagecore drama that I hinted at in like a couple episodes ago? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just give me more of that. Just give me more. Uh, more of them staring into each other's eyes longingly. Yeah. Just MCU down. Getting jealous because yeah. he's like hitting on his sister. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, well, I think her, start- her sister might be jealous if you know what I mean. Uh, uh, but yeah we started off with a a pretty awesome fight you know the three of them uh uh, sam and bucky going after uh walker who's gone ape shit (laughs) um full-on super soldier roid rage but that was number one i liked his quiet moments wrestling with his self uh with himself before they caught up with him and i love and i've no that was good that was a very good moment yeah, and I've been noticing this in the background throughout the show, but it really honed in in this quiet moment where the music cues they're repeating from Civil War, that mm-hmm. that ominous dun, 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 when he, like the yeah. gravity of what he's done is setting in, he's wrestling with it and shit. Um, also Zemo's music cues and his quiet moments by the memorial and stuff. But yeah, so they catch up with him, big, awesome superhero fight. He fucking ripped off Sam's wings like... Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was rough. And then the only way to stop him was like rocketing his arm backwards to let go of the fucking shield. That, that was, was I was that was fucking graphic, man. Like, yeah. like <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, at that moment I think Meg was like, holy shit. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was not expecting that. Oh uh, yeah. But it just showed like how juiced up he was. Like Sam's rocketing in the other direction, and still it's a struggle to finally get him to you know snap yeah but, you have a super soldier and somebody with a jet pack on his back and it took that much force to break his arm yeah um but yeah great uh i mean great fight and great acting by um by uh wyatt russell like him those moments like we were counting like wow look at how many times he's going for the kill shot like the with the shield like he was mm-hmm. just like full-on hulk smash like trying to like that could have been yeah he was separate. going for the no he was going for the kill like, yeah if he had a chance to kill either of them, he would not have hesitated. Yeah. But yeah, so they uh, take him down. And uh, 
the whole dishonor. It was it was really good the way they played it out and just like the gravity of it and letting that play out his, you know, the dishonorable discharge and all that. And then a hot minute later, we get Elaine Bennett has joined the uh <laughs> has joined the, the chat. Yeah. Yeah. Julia Louis Dreyfus <laughs> has officially joined the MCU and uh, blue streak haircut. Yeah, that was cool. And she comes in all sorts of sassy recruiting Walker for now. I was assuming just some, I mean, I'm sure we'll get the name of it eventually, but okay. There's some sort of mercenary uh, situation going on here. Maybe what you guys have been talking about in the comics, um, Thunderbolts or something. But then I saw some articles that were saying, no, this is uh, essentially MCU has found a replacement for Hydra. This is uh, another organization called, uh, uh, what the fuck was it? It was, uh, it was some other wacky name. So the character her that she's playing is sort of a foil for a foil slash sometimes love interest of uh, Nick, Nick Fury. Yeah. Oh, okay. So she's she's the counterpart to Nick Fury, basically. She was also Madame Hydra for a while, but that was like a ruse. It was a ruse with her and, with her and Fury. I, I I had I wasn't able to find anything too concrete on um I'm actually I didn't recognize the character too much. Um and I the I the the storylines that she has been in the past I didn't really recognize um other than like hearing that she was met Madame Hydra and stuff like that. Um so I, they could really go any direction with her. Contessa no, it, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You can call me Val. Yeah. <laughs> but don't call me Val. Yeah. She was funny. Like I liked that character a lot. Yeah. So some people were thinking uh, Thunderbolt. Some people are thinking she's the power broker. Although additional scenes we saw the the brief scene we saw of Sharon. The oh, star. she was in Leviathan. Leviathan. That was uh, yeah, the yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, late in the episode, we see Sharon uh, again. I'm assuming making power broker moves. Uh, she was making deals with um, Batrock, Frenchie McKicks a lot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Batrock the Leaper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But how crazy they bring back that character who was in like two minutes of the beginning of uh, the Winter Soldier movie. It's it's just because it's an iron or it's a the Captain America throwback. Yeah, um, it's it's one of his it's one of his regular villains. So okay, gotcha. So uh, she's selling him some hardware to which he delivers to the Flag Smashers. So flag I'm Flag Smashers. I'm sorry, I think that's such a stupid name. <laughs> So I guess Sharon is playing both sides or she has some some way she makes out well by, because, uh, by allowing the Flag Smashers to do what they're going to do. I'm guessing it brings them more into light so they're easily easy easier to kill. Okay. Maybe. Uh, right. That's what I'm Hopefully we'll get an explanation. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, chill downtime on the boat with Sam and Bucky since they've uh, been um, not uh, uh, basically benched, I guess it's (laughs) it's out of their jurisdiction now. And you know, you can't just like any good uh, detective movie or buddy cop movie, you can't solve the crime until you've been, 
you know, put on suspension or uh, or taken off the case. <laughs> you can't solve the case. Take, you're taken off. The well, case. you're on the case. Yeah. yeah. You got to yeah. take your gun and your badge. Yeah. <laughs> you're a loose cannon, Riggs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, a not so um, calm time, you know, talking to uh, Isaiah Bradley. Yes. Yeah. They did bring him that back. That was a really cool scene. And that was wonderful. And that really that really helped solidify all these uh, these things they've been hinting at and kind of dancing around. And we've been hoping that it would all come to a cohesive head and they did deliver it. You know, that's like they. And something that I really appreciated when uh, we were learning more about the history of Isaiah Bradley was that it was very clear that they were mirroring Isaiah Bradley's life with Cap's life because He's got a romance across decades that ends in disappointment, mm-hmm. very much like Peggy. And the story of him breaking out of jail to rescue or breaking out of the uh, his mission to go rescue his inmate, the other um, black inmates. Yeah. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, survivors of this horrific experiment. Mm-hmm. Very much that. mirrors the plot of Captain America, the first Avenger, when he goes and rescues um, Bucky and his Bucky and his, his crew. Exactly. Crew, yeah. mm-hmm. And I, while he was telling that story, I first touched on the Peggy thing and I was like, oh, he's got his own Peggy. Yeah. Um, and then they started telling that story and I was like, oh, and he's got like and I was like, OK, so they are very clearly trying to show us that like this was a a, a foil type of a situation where he while cap was celebrated and you know came back to literally parades and and monuments to him uh he was thrown in a cell and forgotten and like his whole life was ruined (laughs) yeah so they didn't shy away from it they clearly said hey we're telling a story about race here and um yeah yeah he plainly says you think they would let it you know that you have a, a, a black Captain America. And furthermore, would you even want to? You know, Tony and I... Even and that's an important question, you know? Yeah, Tony yeah. and I even paused the episode <laughs> and, like, discussed that within ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. how interesting of, like, a discussion this brings up. Yeah. And I... I, I and it, it's, it's the, more people more people are wanting to 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 see this too because i noticed uh on the marvel app uh, marvel unlimited the other day that uh, the red white and black uh uh series was on the front was page like, was the front page was like the number that's one really cool because marvel has effectively like denied the existence of that story since it was published huh and or at least Which for about for about 10 years after it was published it was effectively blackballed no. by, by Marvel. Which story? I'm sorry, I don't. The know. Red, white, and black. Okay. It's the story of Isaiah Bradley. Okay, that's what I was wondering. It was yeah, it was the four issue mini that was released in 2003, like immediately after or a couple years after 9/11. That was like very uh, critical of the United States. Gotcha. Yeah. And. We're guessing because of like Pearl Murder, Pearl Mutter, that it got like shelved indefinitely. Yeah, yeah. So Megan and I paused it after that scene, and we were just kind of discussing amongst ourselves. And I, I kind of everybody's got their own personal take on it. And I the 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 notion of 
is it what what's the right answer you know do you completely shun the system or do you take part in the system and trying to be the good person changing it for the better on the inside if that makes sense which you can take that into you know extension of a lot of the discussion about the police force this past year in this country you know and like the you know a lot of people yelling that there are no good cops and blah, blah, blah. And then you get a lot of personal stories coming out saying like, hey, you know, I, my brother is a cop. My husband is a husband's a cop. Like I'm a cop and like, I, I'm just a guy doing the best I can in this system. And yes, I know it has a lot of problems. I know it's broken, but you know, I'm doing what I can. And there's a lot of guys like me trying to do what they can too. Um, and uh, yeah, again, I, it's, it's, it's a very, it's just, I think it's great that they brought that very specific discussion up into the forefront right now. And I don't think there is any right or wrong answer. I think it's a personal choice for everybody, you know? And, uh, and you also had the, the avatar for the audience moment with Bucky uh, a bit later in the episode where he's actually apologizing. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. Cap, Cap and I didn't realize what it means to give the shield to a black man. Yeah, and for that I'm sorry. Everything that was important. Did. I was I was surprised by that because I didn't I didn't I didn't think that they would acknowledge their role in that at all. I thought like the fact that Bucky had a had some sort of uh that he was lacking perspective. Um, I didn't think that they were going to bring that up in in the story at all. And I'm really I'm impressed that they brought that in because you know sometimes you know, especially as a white man, I don't always realize that I have a lack of perspective, you know, which is, of course, is absurd, is absurd. But, you know, the things that we don't the unknown known is is the worst. Mm. And it's just I was impressed. Yeah. Yeah. For a, for a show that was kind of iffy for all of us at the start of it. I guess kind of like WandaVision. Well, again, I was all in on WandaVision from the start, but oh uh, no, like this in the last couple episodes, this show has completely turned around for me, and it's become probably one of my new favorite things. <laughs> period. Yeah, we got we got not top ten, but like top hundred or something. Yeah. We got a lot of depth that uh, maybe we weren't expecting, um, or maybe hoped for, but but didn't expect. Um, I was definitely hoping got... for it. I just did not think that they would deliver. Yeah. Fucking Marvel, man. And uh, and we even had time for a glorious Rocky montage. Oh, yeah. And that was like, and that was a very clearly a Rocky montage, too. Like they weren't, they weren't pretending like this wasn't. <laughs> Sam made my lazy ass. should have just gotten more. Eye at the Tiger, honestly. Totally, yeah. <laughs> Sam made me want to get my lazy ass and go out for a run. That That's oh, how yeah. that was. I did. <laughs> 20 push-ups right after or sit-ups right after watching it and then uh, i got winded and stopped yep. <laughs> that's what you do are that's... you sure you even made it to 20 byron yeah. oh i definitely did 20 no nothing like a good montage uh to uh montage. to get you a montage temporarily montage. motivated to move your body <laughs> and then i listened to that montage song immediately afterwards fucking montage always fade out at the end of a montage <laughs> um what else was in this episode oh uh the 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 dora malaje coming for zemo and yeah, uh, yeah and bucky and zemo and zemo tells him you know there's really only one option for her mm-hmm. and there's really only one option for you and me yeah. you know 
and uh bucky shows him you know i'm not the same person i don't have to kill yep and albeit very dramatic fashion but you know <laughs> yeah no i mean that dropping the bullets that yeah thing. that was a bit much for me i was yeah. like wait got a little bit dr- was it, it he would've... holding him in his hand the whole time like it would have been was he holding the gun <laughs> yeah. it would have been just a little sweeter if they let Zemo actually comment on that and just kind of poke fun at him for being so dramatic because that feels oh, yeah. like that's what Zemo would have done in that moment. This version of Zemo, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a nice little uh, wrap up on Zemo, at least for the time being, who knows? Yeah, well, um, and they said they're taking him to the raft. And mm-hmm. supposedly Which... nobody comes back from the raft, uh, unless you have your buddy Cap to bail you out of there. Yeah, unless you're an Avenger, you don't come But back it's a great that. place to meet other supervillains to potentially create some sort of other supervillain team. I started thinking about that and I was just thinking like, wow, I mean, I know they're not connecting. I know they're, they've definitely not connected the uh, Defenders, you know, Netflix world or anything. But the last time that I heard about the raft was uh, the last season of Jessica Jones where her friend went apeshit um, and ended up on the raft as well. And that was oh, the end of wow. her story. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I was trying to think like how many characters in the MCU are now just locked away, you know, it's like, it's like trying to like the flash, like the DC, the CW shows flash, like they're all their metas go to iron heights. I think it is. Um, so there's actually, so one of the biggest Marvel comic comics uh, inciting events of pretty much the, the entire run of the Brian Bendis Avengers run, which was like almost a decade long. And which had civil war, Avengers disassembled, Civil War, Secret Invasion, all these like legend now legendary Avengers uh, storylines all started with Avengers disassembled with uh, that just makes me raft, think too. with the raft being blown up and all of the villains in the raft being let out. Oh shit! That's what led to the the most impactful Marvel decade since like the 80s nice um is the destruction of the raft disassemble just made me think of short circuit (laughs) (laughs) disassemble johnny disassemble (laughs) yeah input need input 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 (laughs) yeah so uh, they could be setting up uh i think they're setting up thunderbolts with that i've been saying it because mainly because avengers are already disassembled (laughs) so how do you think it's gonna end Oh, next week? Yeah. Um, well, I don't think they're going to kill Walker. <laughs> I think that Walker is going to become either U.S. agent and or Nomad. Yeah. Speaking um, of that, uh, that end credits bit with him uh, kind of making mirroring, his own shield. Yeah. Kind of mirroring Stark in the cave. The hammer. Oh, yeah. Ding, ding. Yeah. That's funny. Nope. Yeah. yeah, that's not that's not vibranium. Iron. This is this is not. Yeah, vibranium. that's that, that's not vibranium. That's just like some scrap metal he found in his garage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like pieces of. He looks like a cosplayer, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna take one punch from Bucky to buckle. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, uh, I think they're gonna kill Carly Morgenthau. I think she's gonna die. Yeah, she's probably yeah. she's not gonna last. Yeah. Um. Now, is this a standalone, just like WandaVision, or are they going to do another season of it? It is a standalone. Uh, 
I think so. Th- they said it was standalone, but I think there was some speculation towards the end, uh, or right before the show is released, that th- they may possibly do a second season, but it, was... it would, but it would be like way down the line. Yeah, all all of these shows that are coming out over the next year are all one-offs, on the exception of if they blow up super huge, then they'd be stupid not to do them. So because they can do if they did do a second season, they can really flesh out the the Walker storyline. I imagine Mm. wrap up the Flag Smashers and then go into the Walker as the villain. Yeah, Yeah. season two. There's um so in in the in the comics there's been a few storylines in Captain America comics that both Bucky and Falcon are involved with. Um, one of them is uh, the Americops, which are effectively like another terrible name. <laughs> yeah, um, flag smashers like, versus like, Americops. There, it's pretty much just like Robocop, <laughs> like a fleet of Robocops. Who oh, okay. and it's it, the whole storyline was about like um, police brutality and like the over policing of minorities and stuff um so they could do something like that i think that would be a little too on the nose right about now yeah well I they're mean, really tackling you know yeah. relevant issues putting a spotlight on i mean sam literally got stopped by a cop in episode <laughs> in episode two so yeah not even not even dwb he was just walking yeah, he was just walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> just walking. Uh, and arguing with, you know, a a white man. So, you know. Yeah. How dare he? Yeah. And hey, in the spirit of all How things... dare he raise his voice to a white man? <laughs> <laughs> Byron, you get... You get I was being facetious. I was being facetious. some scary country club vibes going on here. <laughs> I've seen Get Out too many times. <laughs> oh geez hey and in the, if, it, if anything else in the spirit of all good buddy cop stories which you know owe their origins to lethal weapon lethal weapon itself the very first movie was supposed to be a one-off it was originally the 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 final scene was Riggs like driving off out of town he's like well we did you know, oh yeah solve the case and it's so weird because on. i've always thought of it as like a multi-film series that it's it's weird to think that it was once just one movie no yeah i had the uh i i, I was obsessed with lethal weapon in uh, like my <laughs> early movie collecting days but yeah and the uh director's cut dvds all the the behind the scenes stuff you see the uh, original ending was just like a very simple like well yeah we did the job and you're all right you're right too and he drives off in his truck out of town and that's supposed to be in the story and then they changed it after um uh, test screens and everything and they just realized like no these guys are cool and they still weren't even planning on a sequel but they just wanted to solidify that friendship and so it ends with just him coming over for christmas dinner and that's it and it's kind of like okay so it sets up for buddies for life so you want to eat dinner with me and be best friends <laughs> so in that same spirit maybe falcon the winter soldier is meant to be a one-off but people demand more more sam and bucky and uh, maybe we get some more i don't know well, we're probably running over time like we always do. So uh, <laughs> anybody has anything left? Oh, oh, I just found one bit of news that I forgot to mention. Uh, just random movie news here. Ben Wheatley. I'm not familiar with him, really, but apparently he's he was the- um, uh, he was in the, the Bond reboot movies. 
uh, as his uh, as Q. No, this is a different guy. This is a this is a director, a writer director. Um, oh, yeah, this guy. He's done some horror stuff. Oh, but, that's um, Ben Wishaw. Ben Wishaw. That's who you're thinking of. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Also cool. Um, so Ben Wheatley, apparently he's, um, they were interviewing him, uh, recently he's done the press rounds because he just wrote and directed a horror film in the earth, which is in theaters now, whatever theaters are open. I saw the trailer. It looks kind of cool. It's uh, a British kind of Blair Witchy, like people lost in the woods and getting attacked by some sort of ominous thing. But, uh, the main thing that, uh, that attracted me to this article was that he also mentioned he is directing the Meg 2. <laughs> did you see the Meg? I did not. Giant did shark not. movie? So you're not missing much. It's cool. Jason <laughs> Statham versus Mega Shark, basically. Um, we actually we actually found out about this because we picked this as a random like uh book for our horror book club. And then like a hot The Meg was a book? Oh, yeah. it's a book series. It's a long oh, series. Oh, dear God. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then shortly after, we found out that, oh, they're making a movie out of this. And we ended up going to watch the movie in the theaters. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's a big dumb shark movie. I remember, actually, I thoroughly enjoyed it because it's just a dumb popcorn movie. The books, whole. Oh. Books aren't great. Books aren't great. <laughs> uh, it, it, but yeah, anyway. It, it, I mean, if it's anything like the first movie, I'll probably enjoy it. It's just big, dumb fun. And this guy, actually, apparently, he was uh, set to do the... Uh, he was going to direct the next Tomb Raider movie with Alicia Vikander. But mm. uh, I guess the pandemic shut all that down. And then because of the delays, scheduling conflicts. And so he's off that now. I don't know who's on the, the new Tomb Raider movie now. Anyway, I just thought it was fun. So... If you didn't get enough kicks out of uh, Godzilla versus Kong and you need more big, dumb monster action, uh, I recommend the Meg and then eventually the Meg too. <laughs> yeah. Show me big, dumb monster action. Show me big, dumb monster action with fur. Show me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, with fins. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for joining. This is Tony. This is Todd. This is Byron. And Meg. Adios, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. Don't blow.